was first introduced to Kodiak Robotics, not at a conference or industry event or through the podcast series, but in fact, uh, here in Dallas, Texas, uh, on the roads, had the opportunity to see one of Kodiak Robotics autonomous trucks uh, in action. And so that was my introduction to the organization. And I quickly learned that Kodiak Robotics is a leader in autonomous trucking and have been very excited for the opportunity to have a conversation to learn more about Kodiak and more about what's happening within autonomous trucking. And so very excited today to have the opportunity to do so and here to share more about Kodiak Robotics and autonomous trucking and all of the exciting things that they're doing within the industry. Uh, have the opportunity to speak with Daniel Goff, the head of external affairs for Kodiak Robotics. Daniel, hello and welcome to Are We There Yet? Hi, Grant. Thanks so much for having me on today. You're very welcome. Well, I'm, I'm so excited uh, to have a conversation. As I shared with you, I'm just a, a big fan of Kodiak Robotics. And so for someone like me that's that's all about transportation and mobility, to see uh, a new vehicle, an autonomous vehicle on the road uh, is, is pretty incredible. And so since then, I've really been excited to learn more about uh, the organization. Uh, but for first, for some of the audience members that maybe aren't so familiar with Kodiak Robotics, would you mind uh, introducing us to the company? Sure, uh, more than happy to, and that's really great. I, I uh, to hear that you've actually seen our trucks on the road and and seen seen the technology in action a little bit. So Kodiak Robotics, as you said, is a developer of autonomous trucking technology. We turned five back in April of 2023. So we, you know, the tech industry is kind of in dog years. So we're we're starting to be kind of a middle aged company here. We were founded by a guy named Don Burnett who was really one of the sort of leading founding figures in the autonomous vehicle industry. He was a graduate student at Carnegie Mellon right after the DARPA challenge that kind of kicked off a lot of development in AVs. And when Google kind of swept through the department and said, anyone who's interested in trying to build vehicles that drive themselves, come with us, he joined. So it was one of the first, say, 10 or, or 20 engineers on the Google self-driving car project. And then after a few years, started to think that, you know, what they were building at Google was really cool, but was in some ways going down the wrong path. And there were two reasons for this, one, one technical and one commercial. Um, the, the biggest challenge, you know, at this point, there are dozens and dozens of companies around the world and even, you know, even sort of hobbyists who have built vehicles that under normal circumstances can kind of like stay in their lane drive down the road, go in a straight line, and generally, you know, generally can, can you know, not, not hit anything. The problem is that generally it's not good enough in autonomous vehicles. And that the, the most dangerous situations are also the most unusual situations. And when you're driving a car around a, a city neighborhood, there is an almost infinite array of unusual situations that can happen. You've got, you know, pedestrians and bikers and kids chasing balls into the middle of the street and pets, you know, and all sorts of, of crazy things happen. Um, and on the highway, you know, started to think on highways, you don't have some of those problems. You have, you have higher speeds and that's, you know, that's something you have to deal with, but computers are pretty good at speeds but you can constrain this problem quite a bit. Um, the other issue but that, that he thought was that, you know, the taxi business is a rough business. And, you know, we've seen that obviously traditionally taxis are and Uber and Lyft have, have sort of struggled to, to turn a profit over the last few years, despite being sort of these massive global companies. But, you know, there is a tremendous need in the trucking space for 
to, to fill trucks for drivers. There's a tremendous driver shortage, and there's a real business model around driving trucks. And he thought if you combine sort of this business need in trucking with the fact that sort of you can actually build a business around highway-only autonomy, he thought trucking is, is the way to go. So he left Google, was one of the co-founders of a company called Auto that was acquired by Uber. And then when Uber sort of de-emphasized trucks, he left and founded Kodiak five years ago. So as you said, we're we're based in Silicon Valley, but we have a fleet of about 30 trucks that's based in Dallas. So if you if you live in Dallas, if you drive around Dallas, you'll probably see one of our trucks driving on the road. Um, I get text messages on a semi-regular basis from friends who say, oh my God, I saw one of your trucks. And I kind of follow it for a little bit, but it, it stuck to the speed limit and I got, and it didn't do anything sort of unusual and I got bored and drove around it. So, um, you know, we're, we deliver freight every day for a range of customers and happy to talk about that. Companies like CR England, Ikea, Forward, which is a big expedited delivery company, um, uh, Siva Logistics, Werner, and, and it's really some of the biggest names in trucking. We deliver about 50 loads a week with a safety driver behind the wheel. But this is a technology that's really out on the roads today and is already changing how transportation works and how, how trucking works. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, you know, I speak with a, a lot of really exciting cutting edge organizations and, you know, really fitting within the theme of the RV there yet series. It's always about kind of the, the new things that are happening in transportation and mobility. And, and I don't uh, often, you know, have the opportunity to speak with the company within the series and, um, you know, find a company that I'm really interested that's doing some cutting edge things that at the same time, you know, is out really demonstrating those technologies, um, you know, on, on the road, uh, in, in the real world. So it is really incredible, um, you know, for me to, to see the trucks, to see the technologies uh, in action. And those are some amazing organizations, leaders within trucking, as you shared that you're working with um, already. Um, would be curious, you know, with with some of those those clients um, that are that are working with you currently and and have trucks, you know, on the road today that are making delivery for these organizations. Is there something that's characteristic of uh, of these companies beyond just being leaders uh, in in trucking? Is there something that kind of characterizes the, uh, them, you know, as the organizations that they themselves are really leading the way and in, in terms of integrating, uh, you know, these these types of technologies within trucking? That's a great question. Um, I think that you you kind of hit the nail on the head, that these are companies that are thinking about the future of transportation and how future transportation technologies can fit in with their operations. And, you know, I think your your audience probably knows this, you know, a little bit with some familiarity with the trucking industry and with transportation, but trucking faces really significant challenges in industry, as an industry. And, and the biggest challenge is that, it is harder and harder to find people who want to drive long haul trucks. You know, local delivery is a bit of a different question, but people fundamentally want to be home with their families every night. And trucking, trucking jobs, long haul trucking jobs involve people living out, out of the back of a truck for, you know, days, weeks, sometimes even months at a time. And there are people who love doing that job. But there are fewer and fewer of them, and they're harder and harder to find, and, and a lot of them are retiring. And, it, you know, a generation or so ago, it used to be okay for dad, and it was always, almost always dad, to do that, to be out for weeks or months at a time on the road and, and as you know, send a paycheck home every two weeks. And that was kind of his role. But that's that's not how we live anymore, um, for better and for worse. And I think I think mostly for better, 
And so, you know, filling these jobs is really hard. So I think one thing that, you know, I've been with Kodiak for almost four years at this point. And when I first started working for the company and we talked to people in the trucking industry and say, you know, I, I'm working for this company and we're trying to build trucks to drive themselves, people would look at you like you were absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and, and perhaps not for no reason. But over the last few years, the industry has both grown to be much more comfortable with the technology and you know, and, and that I think is something we've also kind of borne out internally in, in the industry is just how safe this technology is, how sort of routine and uncontroversial delivering freight with this technology is. And um, I think also trucking industry has started to realize there's really nothing else coming to save them. The, the reality is that like this technology can help to play a role in, in helping to keep our, our supply chains moving when you know which is which is harder and harder to do given the challenges around finding drivers and people willing to drive long haul so i think there's a lot of excitement in the industry there are not a ton of large trucking companies that are not um not looking at autonomy one way or another particularly in in the in sort of the the segment of the trucking industry that does have real long haul operations um, and I think there's a lot of interest from, you know, our customers are, are, are generally companies on the leading edge of that, willing to, to try out new things and, and sort of start to identify what, what the future holds. Thank you so much for, for that. I really uh, appreciate that. And, and, and it's good to, to learn a little bit more about, you know, kind of what characterizes some of these companies. And, and just as you shared what a need there is, especially within trucking for these, these, these technologies. Um, I imagine that there is good reason that these organizations, these leaders within trucking have chosen to work with Kodiak Robotics uh, versus others in the space. There certainly are many other organizations that are working to do the same thing within an industry. And these leaders um, have selected Kodiak Robotics is their partner uh, within autonomous trucking, and I can imagine uh, that that has some to do, certainly, with just the the innovative technology and the the products that you offer, and the ease of kind of moving towards you know implementing autonomous trucking within their operations. Would you mind speaking to you know some of the advantages um, that that Kodiak uh, offers you know versus the competition? Yeah, I think there are there are a few things. Um, I would both technical and kind of from a partnership perspective and how we view our commercial partnerships that I think, I think I don't want to speak for our customers, but I think is what attracted them to Kodiak. So on the technical side, I think we've really built our system, which we call the Kodiak driver to be very sort of designed for deployment. And I think we've spent a lot of time listening to our customers and listening to people in the trucking industry to understand what their real pain points are and what their concerns about this technology are and address those concerns head on. So I think, I think kind of the, the, the clearest example of this is really around how we've designed our hardware. So in the autonomous trucking industry, almost with almost every company that, that's in our space, we're working with traditional, we buy trucks off the line and we, we upfit them as it's called in the industry and add, add the hardware we need to them so that the, the truck can drive itself. And, you know, trucking is an industry where, where every second counts. And there's an expression in the trucking industry, if the wheels ain't turning, you're not, you ain't earning. Mm -hmm. You know, if the truck's mm -hmm. not driving, you've got an expensive asset piece of equipment that's sitting there not earning any money. Yeah. And so, you know, we have designed, we realized pretty early on the importance of building a really, a, a system that's really easy to maintain and simple to maintain, even for people who do not have a lot of expertise or any expertise in 
building on and and maintaining autonomous systems. And so we've the the sort of the core of this approach is what we call our sensor pods, which is we took all of the sensors that the vehicle needs to drive, the the cameras, the radar, the lidar, and integrated them into um, two basically mirror enclosures. So that we replace the the stock start side view mirrors on the trucks, and we add our sensors to the a custom mirror enclosure that we've built. And this sensor pod is essentially plug and play. It's three cables, six bolts, and a, a completely, we can actually send a YouTube video. So if, if something goes wrong with a, with a sensor going down the road, um, a, we can actually send a, a YouTube link to a technician and have a, a technician swap out one of those sensor pods um, and, and ship it back to us for repairs. It takes about 10, 15 minutes, even if you've never seen one of these things before. So it's a really simple approach. It's about as, the same amount of time as it takes to, to change a tire. It's probably a little bit less complicated technically than changing a tire. So it's really simple. It's something that, that anybody can do. And, you know, it's when, when you're planning on operating trucks across, you know, hundreds or thousands of miles, you can't be, you know, you can't count on there being an autonomous engineer and, you know, who can, who understands how to maintain these systems, you know, within five miles of, of all of that thousand mile stretch. So I think our, our customers are really impressed by this approach and they, they understand when they see the sensor pod, how they can actually fit this technology into their operations. They look at this and say, I think this is something our teams can, can learn to handle. And I think that's really important and powerful for them. We're not asking them to kind of like, learn a lot of brand new things. Um, I think that another example of that is the way we approach mapping. I think that sort of the traditional and traditional for for a, a technology that's at most sort of 15 years old is kind of a weird term to use, but but it's the one you know that, that comes to mind. The, the way a lot of autonomous vehicles work is basically you, you build a a very, very detailed map of everything happening in everything in, in, you know, in a neighborhood. So every curb, every mailbox, every street sign, every house. And the system has this really, really giant detailed map that gets down to, you know, inches or, or smaller centimeter level sort of precision. And if, if the map looks different from the, the real information that's coming um, in from the, the vehicle sensors, the vehicle says, huh, you know, I would expect there to be a mailbox, you know, 30 feet to the to the right, but I'm getting a, a different object 10 feet to the right. You know, maybe maybe that's a kid crossing the street and it's sort of kid shaped. And that's that's kind of one of the ways that autonomous vehicles navigate the world. And we realized this this approach very early on, this approach works really, really well for city driving, but on highways, it it isn't an ideal approach because fundamentally highways don't have a lot of useful information. There are no mailboxes. Every inch of highway kind of looks like the next inch. And, you know, you got some trees off to the side, but like trees grow and they lose their leaves and they grow their leaves and they change and, you know, they sway in the wind. So that's not super helpful. Um, so we built a different system that we call lightweight maps that has much less of that information that's really key to highways. Basically, it's just kind of the the lane markings, the the you know where the where the highway is, the connectivity, so entry entrances and exits and things like that. Um, and we think this is a much better and safer approach for highway driving. It also has the advantage of being much easier to build and maintain these maps. 
And with a, you know, when, when you've got a lot of details in a map, when something change, you know, if a little thing changes, um, the map is no good, but when you've got fewer details, it's, it's much, there's much less that can kind of go stale. And so it makes it much easier for us to maintain these maps over the course of hundreds or thousands of miles of deployment lanes. So I think that really resonates with our customers as well, because they, you know, they understand that, that, you know, that, that again, this is sort of a, a game of trucking is a game of inches um, and having sort of simpler maps that are easy to maintain is really, really critical to long-term operations. And this is a long answer to a very simple question, but I also think, you know, embedded in all of this is I think we're really focused as a company on doing what we do and not doing what we what we don't do. And so we've worked very carefully through our, our partner deployment program, which is kind of our, our partnership program to um, to work closely with our customers, to understand their needs and to to really partner and, and help us work together to figure out how we're going to integrate our technology into their fleets. And I think they appreciate that partnership. And and we've just learned a ton that, you know, we're a, we're a tech company. We're not a tracking company. And I think we're we're pretty humble about the parts of this that we don't know. And I think they appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Perfect answer, and uh, can really understand why those those companies uh, have selected uh, Kodiak uh, as as their partner. So, uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Um, you you you've developed, as you shared, um, uh, an incredible mapping technology that's more appropriate uh, for this application. Uh, you've made it really easy uh, for the the operators to use the technology, integrate the technology, um, you know, troubleshoot, um, and and so that that all uh, makes a lot of sense. Is it safe to say, you know, fitting within the Are We There Yet series, uh, you, you shared some clients that are already, um, you know, seeing the value in integrating these technologies um, within their fleets. Is it, is it safe to say that, you know, really realizing uh, the, the benefits of, of autonomous technologies within um, trucking that, that, we're, that we're there? I um, uh, would, would be curious about, you know, your, your take on that. I know it's always a, an ever-improving, you know, process, and there's a lot more to come, you know, from the industry and from Kodiak, uh, you know, I know over the next few years, but, but are we there yet uh, today? <laughs> I think we are there yet. I mean, I think, you know, I think one of the things, look, we are still operating with a safety driver behind the wheel, and we will do that until we can demonstrate conclusively that what that without a safety driver, we're as safe as we are with a safety driver. Yeah. And there's still some work to do there. But I think from a an operational perspective, you know, we are running a 24-7 shop today. And we are delivering freight for our customers. And again, I think another, maybe one more thing our customers like about us is we provide a, 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 an excellent quality of service. And I think that's important that, you know, the biggest transition for a new technology is kind of from gee whiz to, you know, to routine and to excellence. And I think we've made that transition. And one of our customers like working with us. We deliver on time, we provide good service, we provide, and they, they see how this is going to make their lives easier and better. And, you know, even, and there's, you know, th that the transition to driverless is going to be very smooth and very simple. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I love that you started too with, with, with safety and that, that really being kind of a driving force and, and, and very much a priority, you know, for Kodiak is just, you know, perfecting the technology, ensuring that safety, having the safety, um, you know, operator there uh, until which point um, that uh, uh, no longer have to be. So, so I love that you kind of started with that. I think that certainly says a lot, you know, about the organization. Uh, in addition to all of the incredible work that Kodiak is doing in terms of really refining the technology, and we're seeing that some, as with some of the incredible partners that you're working with, that they're adopting, you know, this technology, um, you know, within trucking. So, in addition to that kind of adoption and technology development, and ensuring, of course, that everything is very safe, um, there's also a lot on the policy side of things uh, that that affect, you know, kind of the commercialization and and the development, um, you know, of this. So, I'd love to get, you know, your take on, you know, some of the policy issues that are, you know, uh, affecting the autonomous trucking industry. And, um, you know, what do we really, you know, uh, need to do to, to, you know, kind of get clear and move into, you know, kind of full, full deployment, full potential of the technology? Yeah, um, this is a question near and dear to my heart. I also I work on public policy is, is kind of my day job when I'm not report, yeah. recording podcasts. Yeah, I would say for autonomous trucks, there kind of are, are two buckets worth of policy issues that we we think about. The first is kind of what I would call the big picture issues. I mean, you know, there's, I, I, I love what we're doing. You love what we're doing. There are definitely a lot of people who say, I cannot believe there are people who would uh, allow 80,000 pound vehicles on the roads without drivers. Like we understand that, that the public remains skeptical about this. And I think there's some, still some work to kind of create high level safety regulations and kind of continue to gain the public trust around these issues. Um, I think we've made some progress over that on that over the last few years. And I think that, you know, the reality is that the safety record of this industry is very strong. Um, it, to the extent that people, you know, if, if there were any safety incidents involving this industry, people would be aware, but there really haven't been, which I think really speaks to the, the strength of what we're doing and, and the strength of our safety programs. I would say, you know, the secondary, I would say, is kind of the small, the small scale issues. The trucking industry is a highly regulated industry. There are regulations regarding how vehicles must be maintained, how drivers must behave on the road, and all sorts of, you know, rules and regulations sort of promulgated by the U.S. Department of Transportation, but really, um, really regulated by state law enforcement. That are, that are sort of critical to this to the trucking industry. So uh, state highway patrols generally have commercial vehicle enforcement divisions that are responsible for enforcing regulations around trucking. And so we've been working over the last four or five years with the federal government, with, through the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, which is the federal trucking regulator, and with local, with state and local officials and commercial vehicle officers, most importantly through the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, which is kind of the national association of commercial vehicle officers to adapt these regulations that, that currently exist to trucking. Now, most of these regulations actually fit trucking just, or sorry, do autonomous trucking. Most of these regulations fit autonomous trucking just fine. There are a handful of issues that, that sort of needed to be modified or addressed and and we've we really solved the 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 bulk of those issues the most important being how to how to handle way stations how to handle the commercial vehicle 
um, enforcement and inspections that occur at a way station. When you see, you know, when you see, when you drive down the road and you see a sign for a way station, trucks are, are supposed to pull in there, get weighed, and get inspected. And so, very, very excited. Last fall, I mean, I've been working and kind of leading for the industry on this. And last fall, that that we announced with the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, sort of an initial framework for how autonomous vehicles are going to interact with way stations and interact with commercial vehicle enforcement. And, you know, obviously that's it's we're still in the early days, but we think this is a, a workable solution. And I think it really it really goes to show that the people who understand highway safety the best really see the potential of this technology. So we're really excited. You know, regulators, I think, have been um, really forward leaning and trying to think through how to actually get this technology out on the road because they understand the potential to make to make the road safer from um, f- through automating driving. Yeah, yeah. Very hard to predict. I, I I can imagine. But when do you see all of this coming together? So you you've you've checked the box in terms of safety. Um, you no longer have the need uh, for a, a, a safety operator. Uh, policy is in place now and and supportive of uh, you know integrating autonomous trucking at at scale you know within uh, the the entire industry and you've refined your technology and solutions to the point you're you know uh, you know very much ready to kind of uh, um, you know adopt within the the entire industry when, when do you see all of these things happening I know at the same time you need everyone to be on board um, you know in terms of, uh, of of understanding that this is a, a safer solution um, than than drivers operating vehicles. So you've got to have, you know, all that support. So from kind of a technology policy, safety, you know, national state level in, in enforcement, when do you see all of that coming together um, uh, to where we're at a point now to where, you know, we see these at scale, there's no longer safety operator. Um, and we're kind of seeing this, this all happening nationwide. When, when does that all come together from your Oof. perspective? I mean, you know, there's kind of a truism in the autonomous vehicle industry that that it's not a question of when it's a question of where Mm. i think we expect to have built our our safety case our our sort of proof that the system is safer than a human over the next 18 or so months and, and hope to have our first driverless runs and driverless trucks on the road in by the end of 2024 um that will not be at scale it that will be the first and, and it will scale from there. And it's, you know, that will probably be in Texas and, and um, you know, but I think that, that over the course of the next four or five years, we will see those operations grow. We will sc- grow from a handful of trucks to dozens of trucks to hundreds of trucks. And, and, you know, certainly by 20, you know, 2028, this will be a fairly routine, you know, autonomous trucks will be a fairly routine site on American roads. And I think they will be, you know, I think they will be largely uncontroversial and largely transparent. People are not going to notice that these, if, if anything, you know, since these trucks can run 24 seven and, and, you know, don't really care if it's four in the morning or four in the afternoon, um, you'll probably see fewer trucks on the road in general as a result of autonomy, and that'll help improve traffic. And let's be honest, nobody loves driving next to a, a you know a semi truck. Like they're you know they're big and a little scary. And, and if we can move some of them to be on the road in big cities at you know at three in the morning, 
I think mm-hmm. people will appreciate that. So yeah. it's going to take time to scale. Um, any any sort of transformative new technology does. It's not going to be an explosion. Um, but I think that over the course of the next few years, we this will start to scale out and we'll start to to really um, hopefully start making a dent in in the driver shortage and helping to shore up our supply chains. Yeah, yeah. You're very much, and, and especially within your work and focus at Kodiak Robotics, I mean, I think you have a pulse on what's happening within autonomous trucking um, uh, as much as anyone, uh, you know, in, in the world today uh, w- within the industry. And so I think you have a, a real grasp of how that's moving. And um, as you just shared with us, I think have a pretty good idea of when, you know, all of this is kind of coming together. Different industry, but I'm just curious because I'm interested in, in all things kind of transportation mobility. But do you see autonomous trucking um, happening at scale um, sooner than we'll see it uh, within our personal vehicles? That's kind of a, again, I think it kind of goes to the question of, of where, not when. Yeah. Um, I think the day where personally owned, where individuals own vehicles that are kind of eyes off the road, hands off the steering wheel, it's still mm-hmm. a ways out. Yeah. But as you know, there are robo-taxis on the road today in, yeah. in Phoenix, in San Francisco. Uh, they're testing in, in Austin and Dallas, and I believe Houston as well. Los mm-hmm. Angeles is on the radar for this yeah. year. You know, this is these are still, again, early days. I don't know how many people are actually kind of commuting to work in a robo-taxi. Probably not a ton, but these this is a technology that exists and it's kind of a it's it's a a weird quirk that like i think i think that you know we're we're kind of at the the bottom of a hype cycle around autonomous vehicles at the time that this is actually working and actually happening and and um i think that's kind of a I, i can't quite explain that conundrum but i think you know i think most people's interaction with a an autonomous vehicle sort of next time on the road will maybe a truck more likely than a car but certainly in certain communities that these are these are starting to be fairly widespread um and 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 i find it strange also people don't you know people don't necessarily know that um maybe in those communities they're they're vaguely aware but i I don't think the average american realizes that you can hail a a driverless taxi you know from the phoenix airport to your hotel in downtown phoenix yeah. that is a tremendous incredibly exciting technical achievement yeah and um and i think it's it's largely happening sort of behind behind the scenes yeah yeah i, I think so and it very much speaks to your kind of where not 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 when um you know answer uh you know you could ask when about it but but certainly in personal vehicles um you know it's it's happening today you know in certain markets and certain uh certainly the same is true within autonomous technology within trucking there's there's major metropolitan metropolitan areas that aren't really seeing you know autonomous trucks on on the road today but here in dallas um they're they're everywhere it's it's incredible the the presence that you have in dallas and and since seeing that first one have had the opportunity to to, to see a few on on the road, and so I think that you know when not exactly where makes um, makes a, a, a lot of sense. So um, uh, appreciate you you sharing that. Uh, I know that that with uh, the the audience within you know, the Are We There Yet video podcast series, there's a lot of of organizations, some of which are working with you already, many that that aren't. Um, there's going to be uh, a lot of individuals, a lot of companies out there that are going to be excited to learn more about the organization and explore partnerships and opportunities to, to work together. Would you mind maybe just directing the audience uh, to, to the website sure. where they can learn more about the company? Our website is Kodiak.ai. 
and you can you can always email us at contact at kodiak.ai and you know i'm uh, i'm i'm on linkedin and and my email is dan at kodiak.ai so always happy to to talk and we are we are i am uh always happy to to tell people more about what's happening with kodiak and what's happening in this this exciting industry yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time today, Daniel, to share more about uh, Kodiak Robotics. And this, uh, for me, has been uh, an especially fun uh, uh, and, and educational uh, conversation to go from first just seeing a Kodiak autonomous truck uh, 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 passing by uh, here in the Dallas, Texas area and having the opportunity to uh, speak with you today to, to learn more about it uh, has been a lot of fun. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk. This has been great. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks You're for welcome. having me. Thank you. 